Hello and welcome to the podcast on aircraft recognition. The means of recognising aircraft for type, their role, who use them and who make them. This episode will just concern itself with fixed wing aircraft. Development. Aircraft design and development improved rapidly since the Wright Brothers flight in 1903. The main changes have been a number of wings, engine placement, along with what they were used for. The timing of powered flight came just before the outbreak of World War I, and military use of aircraft saw the biggest and most rapid development in design compared to other uses such as leisure and transport. However, as one will see, there is a crossover of ex-military aircraft being used in the leisure and transport industries after both the First and Second World Wars, alongside dedicated leisure and transport aircraft. The Wright Flyer of 1903 was a biplane. This means one set of wings above the other. The engine was an unconventional design as it faced the rear of the aircraft, making it a pusher. The most conventional is a puller. The multiple layered wings gave stability but added to drag and restricted speed. During the First World War, most aircraft were biplanes with a couple of triplanes. And there were even fewer monoplanes. Development of the monoplane, one set of main wings, changed this and the aircraft became more stable and faster. The monoplane also became the more conventional, recognised design of aircraft. The English Channel was crossed in 1909 by Frenchman Bluey Blériot in his own monoplaned single-seat aircraft. This showed the benefits of aircraft, such as the distance they could cover, what they could cover and the time taken, compared to the surface transports of the lorries, cars and boats. The only thing they lacked, this improved during and after both world wars. Design. The role of the aircraft dictated aircraft design. This was particularly relevant with military aircraft. The fighters at the start were single-engine, biplane or triplane, with one or two monoplanes. The guns on the engine cowling, and they fired through the propeller. A development in the inter- interrupted gear prevented the propeller from being shot away. Bombers were invariably biplanes, with two or more engines. They were also generally slower. After the First World War, Passenger aircraft were made and flown, converted bombers being being used by airlines on the longer distance flights. Flying clubs and flying schools had been established using ex-military aircraft. The transport and leisure sectors used ex-military aircraft until dedicated aircraft were made by the aircraft manufacturers. With the transport aircraft in particular, you could still see the military heritage for some time to come. Biplanes in the military, especially fighters, lasted up until and, in, and into the Second World War. Afterwards, biplanes were still around for more the leisure and agricultural industries, crop spraying, and for display purposes such as aerobatics. Eventually, most aircraft designed on a conventional design of monoplane front-facing engine. The undercarriage was still under the main wings, with a wheel or skid under the tail. They were either tailwheel or tail draggers. In this configuration, visibility for the pilot, certainly when taxiing, was not great, as the nose was in a nose-up attitude, and he had to weave from left to right to make sure the taxiway was clear before entering the, the runway. A throttle was applied, speed increased, the tailwheel lifted off the ground. The aircraft became horizontal, the view became clearer, and the pilot could take off as required. The tricycle undercarriage came about with a 
wheel under the engine became being known as the nose wheel, but the main undercarriage was still under the wings. This kept the aircraft in a horizontal and so made it easier to taxi and take off. It was therefore safer. Some aircraft designs required more than one engine. Engine placement was now the big question. Single-engined aircraft invariably went on the nose. However, there are some aircraft that have a single engine above the fuselage, above the wing, or even in the tail. With the invention of the jet engine by Sir Frank Whittle just before the Second World War, engine placement can be a lot more concealed than with a propeller. The jet engine can still go on the wing or in the nose. With some aircraft, it can go down beside the fuselage. With the world's first jet airliner, the De Havilland Comet, the engines were actually in their wing route. Jet engines initially had one thing over propellers, speed. Eventually, with their development, they became so powerful, the aircraft they were powering could carry a lot more weight. They could also fly further without refueling. With the faster jets, swept wings became almost standard for jet aircraft design due to the speeds that they could take. Some jets, however, still have straight wings, as most propeller aircraft do. One development in speed to show that it had increased was the ability to break the sound barrier. This was the speed at which sound travelled. It varied at different levels due to density of the air above the Earth. The Americans succeeded in this endeavour with the rocket-powered Bell X-1. The design was a result of an agreement between the UK and the USA to exchange ideas. The USA visited the UK's Miles aircraft and their plans for the M-52. Miles had designed a revolutionary all-flying tailplane. However, the US reneged on the agreement, preventing the UK from seeing what they were up to, but they successfully used the Miles design on the X-1. Swept wings was, was still fairly unknown, and the X-1 was a straight-wing design. It was airborne launched from a giant B-29 Superfortress and reached a speed of Mach 1.06, approximately 700 miles an hour, in 1947. In comparison, Concorde went twice this fast, 1,400 miles an hour, when in service almost 30 years later, reducing the Atlantic crossing from a typical seven hours to just under three hours. It had four turbofan engines. As mentioned earlier, the first generation airliners had wing-mounted engines. In fact, the first airliner, the De Havilland Comet, had its engines fitted in the wing route next to the fuselage. Others moved the engines to hang under the wings, for instance, the 707 from the USA. Other designs saw the engines move to the rear, either side of the tail, such as the Sud Aviation Caravelle from France. The Comet and the 707 were both four-engined aircraft. The Caravelle had two engines. A rule of thumb to count how many engines an aircraft has if you can't work out where the engines actually are is to count the exhausts at the back. Certainly this is relevant with military aircraft, as some of their aircraft are hidden in the fuselage with just an air intake showing either side. Some military aircraft even have them under the fuselage, F-16 and the Eurofighter being two examples. Some airliners were designed to have three engines, one on each wing and one through the tail, or at the, at the back, either side of the fuselage, and again through the tail. Examples of these are the Lucky Tristar, Donald Douglas DC-10, Hawker Silly Trident and the Boeing 727. 
There are even rare examples of aircraft with four engines at the rear, such as the Vickers VC-10 and the Russian-produced copy, the Aleutian IL-62. Engine design also led to change in wing positions. For instance, the Caravelle had engines at the back, therefore the tailplane would appear to go through the tail around the midpoint. The 727 and the Trident-type aircraft, including the the BAC-111 and the DC-9, which had rear-mounted engines too, they were termed as a T-tail as the tailplane went across the top of the tail. Most aircraft, especially airliners, have the low-wing design, where the main wing is fitted to the base of the fuselage. Other wing positions are mid-fuselage, shoulder, just below the top of the fuselage, and high wing, over the top of the fuselage. Some additional positions are parasol, above the fuselage with a gap. Early high wing monoplanes had these. Biplanes had them as a matter of course. The other is the cantilever dorsal wing. This does not affect space in the fuselage, and the best example of this type of wing are on the ATR range of aircraft, namely the ATR-42 and 72. Most military tactical transport aircraft use the high wing configuration as it will prevent a lot of rubbish from unprepared strips going into the engines. It also helps with a fairly object-free loading and unloading procedure. Typical examples of this are the Hercules, the C-17 Globemaster and the Airbus A-400 Atlas. As swept wings were used for fast flight, some aircraft need to fly slow but also fast. These are known as having variable geometry or swing wing. Used in the forward position for takeoff and landing and swung back in flight. Such aircraft include the Panavia Tornado, the General Dynamics F111, and even bombers such as the Rockwell B1. A variation on the variable geometry or swept wing design was the use of Delta design. Used successfully on most military aircraft, it was also used on airliners, or at least one, the Aerospatial BAC Concorde. Other aircraft that are famous for their uh, Delta wing are the Avro Vulcan and the Gloucester Javelin, although the Vulcan and the Javelin were not supersonic. It was felt that the Delta was the best shape for their role. I spoke about conventional design, but there are one or two rare designs that are still around. One comes to mind is the Honda Jet, with its engines mounted above the wing. From the side, it looks as though they're rear-mounted. However, it's not totally unique. A German short-haul airliner from the 1970s had the same idea. It looks like an Airbus A319 with engines above the wing. This was the German VFW 614. Other strange designs or unique designs include the wartime American fighter, the Lockheed P-38 Lightning, known as the Forked Devil to its twin booms. You had the Cessna 337 Skymaster, which had a unique push-me-pull-you system, but also had a twin boom. The Davenham Vampire and Venom and Sea Vixen also had twin booms, but were jet-powered. The Vampire was the first jet to land on an aircraft carrier. These aircraft are generally popular in the military. The Cessna, however, was also produced for the civilian market, but was used as an observation aircraft during the Vietnam War. 
Other examples for the civilian market include the Adams 500, the Beechcroft Starship, and the fastest turboprop that flew pure jet speed and altitude is the Piaggio P180 Avanti. The Piaggio has rear facing engines, which again is unique, but it does cut down on the noise in the cabin. In the world of the corporate jets, most designs go with rear mounted engines, and these were designed straight from the drawing board. However, there are a few that are airliners converted at the manufacturing stage into corporate jets, namely the Boeing BBJ, Boeing Business Jet, or the Airbus ACJ, Airbus Corporate Jet. The Boeing BBJ can be a Boeing 737 or a Boeing 777. There is even a corporate Boeing 747, and I think the latest one now is a 787. With Airbus, you have the ACJ A319, 320, 321 and 220. Now that climate change is on people's minds, design and better fuel efficiency is being worked on. The conventional looking aircraft is being challenged. Some designs changed the convention before, but potential buyers did not seem to like it. And so these designs were either not sold or sold in so few numbers. Some new designs are incorporating asymmetrical engines or wings that seem to encircle the fuselage. Electric power, hydrogen and recycled oils are also being considered to power the next generation, and this will mean design changes again. Ideas that have been drawn up look like UFOs or something from a science fiction series. We wait to see what the next generation aircraft that we will be flying in look like. Join me for the next podcast when I will be talking about the helicopter.